have you. Well, all right, today we're looking at this subject of listening to the voice of God specifically. And we're going to look at a, a passage of Scripture in John chapter 10 where Jesus tells a story, he communicates to the disciples into their con- context, into their culture, in a way that they would understand about what it means to listen or to hear the voice of God. Now, I will never forget a few, a few months back, I, I went to Texas to a pastor's conference, and then from there I, I drove down to Houston, Texas to see my mom and my dad and, and my brothers and sisters and family and all of that stuff. And I will never forget when I, I flew out of Colorado Springs, and maybe you have experienced the same type of deal, but as I flew out of Colorado Springs and, you know, the stewardess or the steward got up and started going through the, the, the pre-flight instructions where the emergency doors are, the oxygen bags, your, you know, your seat cushion turns into a flotation device. We've all heard it. And, uh, but as I looked around, I noticed that, God, it's just so interesting. I mean, she, she's given instructions what to do in t- case of an emergency, what to do in case of a crisis, and like nobody's listening. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, people have uh, their earbuds in and they're listening to an iPod. Uh, they're, they're reading. Some people have already fallen asleep. I will never understand how someone can fall asleep that quickly. On, I can't. I mean, it, um, it can, the flight can go for hours and I just cannot sleep on a flight. And so, but people are visiting with one another. People are reading. People are listening to music. People, nobody's paying any attention. Fact is, there's an interesting story. When the plane went down in the Hudson River, they were doing interviews about, uh, with a lot of the survivors and they were talking to them about, you know, what was going through your mind when you were in this crisis and the plane was going down and, and they said all sorts of different things, but many of them said one of the same things and said this is, you know, we God, when the plane was going down and they gave us the announcement that we were going to crash into the river, we thought, boy, we wish we would have listened a little bit closer to that pre-flight, you know, instruction to the warning things because I don't even know where the emergency doors are. And they kind of panicked. Well, fortunately for them, the, 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 the crew did a phenomenal job and got up and got everybody to where they were supposed to be. But I think the same is true with believers that a lot of times we really don't listen to the voice of God. The issue is, is, is not that he's, if, or if he's not speaking to us, because the Bible says he's speaking to us. The issue is, are we listening to the voice of God? Because I think there's a lot of us that are believers that can fall into two types of traps. And we've been a believer for so long, we think we've heard it all before. I know the Bible. I know all the Bible stories. I've heard them over and over and over. And so a lot of us, we think, you know what, I've heard it all before. But there's another group don't even listen to it. And then, when the crisis comes in life, when the crash, whether it's relationally, whether it's in a marriage, whether it's in parenting, whether it's in a profession, a career, uh, whether it's in an economy, whether it's a health crisis, when a crisis comes, well, there are a lot of people who says, wow, I wish I had listened I wish I, could have, I wish I could hear the voice of God because here's the deal. If he doesn't become your friend before the crisis, if you are not able to discern out his voice before the crisis, it is doubtful he'll become your friend or you'll trust him in the midst of the crisis. It's before the crisis where we learn to discern out the voice of God. All through scripture you have one recorded conversation after another that God has with people. So do you think 2,000 years ago he got laryngitis and he just quit speaking? The Bible says not that he spoke, that he's speaking. And the Holy Spirit has written the scriptures, the text, the Bible. 
And then when we become believers, the Holy Spirit begins applying his word to our life in speaking to us through his word. Now today I only have two points for you that we're going to look at this morning. Uh, Usually I have three or usually I have more, but today it's just two. I will never forget in, in seminary and preaching class, one of the students asked the professor, how many points should a sermon have? And the professor said, at least one. In other words, it should not be pointless. So that's just a little bit of seminary humor for you this morning. So two things about listening to the voice of God. I'm going to give them to you and then we're going to walk through them. It's just two simple things. It is natural and it has to be nourished. It is natural and it has to be nourished. In other words, it is natural for us to hear the voice of God. We were created. Listen, we were created to hear the voice of God. Now, there's a lot of believers that the only time they heard the voice of God is when they responded to his invitation to come into a relationship with them. And they heard the voice of God and they responded to that. And they kind of have this attitude like, I'm good. I don't need to hear another thing from you, God. I mean, I am good. I mean, I've got heaven. I've got the promise of heaven. I'll just kind of handle my life from here. You really don't have anything you can speak into my life. And it's never nourished in their life. But it is natural. The truth is we come from all different backgrounds. Uh, We come from all different regions in the country. We come from all different places. We come from different ethnic backgrounds. We come from different cultures. Fact is, I come, and I know you know this, but I come from the deep south. And you will never understand the culture of the Deep South. To, I mean, there's a lot of things I tell you guys, and you, you can't, it's hard for you to even comprehend that that even goes on. And, and so when I came here, I had to learn to use different words. I had to learn to pronounce thing, pronunciate things a little bit differently because, you know, uh, well, we just talk different in, in, in Texas. But I've shed all that, right? And so uh, <laughs> fact is, when I first came to Pueblo, and I went to a Mexican food restaurant, and I ordered uh, uh, chicken enchiladas. And they said, you want red or green chili on that? Now, chili for us was beans and meat and jalapenos. That, and it's just hot. And I'm like, red or green? It comes in colors here? And so I didn't even know. In fact is, in Texas, our culture is so different that many of the fast food uh, fried chicken chains that are in our, um, in our town... In Texas, there's things on the menu that you do not have here. For instance, in Texas, in the Deep South, from a fried chicken chain, you can order a bucket of skins. Because sometimes meat just gets in the way. And so, (laughs) no. Now, that kind of may gross you out, but Texans, that makes us hungry. And so, we can actually order a bucket of skins, and we will literally eat. Fact is, when Texans have fried chicken... Uh, when everybody's had all they want and they're really full, someone or many people will start just picking the skin off the chicken and just eating it because we're into that kind of stuff. And so the, the deal is this. We are all different. We talk different. We have different cultures. We have different ethnic backgrounds. But here's the deal. Even though we're all different, let me tell you something. God knows how to communicate to you. God knows how you're wired God knows your personality. God knows your hurts. God knows your pains. His Bible is living and active. That's why when you read it, it ministers to you and it'll speak directly to you. We have two daughters, Brittany and Amanda. And even though uh, they're our children and we have raised them all these, these years, each one of them are wired differently. 
The way I talk to, to Brittany is different than the way I communicate to Amanda, right? I mean, if you're a parent, you know this. I mean, Brittany is, is the oldest, and she is type A, and she is driven, and, and she is strong-willed, and she has a, a, a strong personality. And when we had to correct her, it had to be, it had to be strong. It had to be, it had to be confrontational. Amanda, man, she came into this world looking for a party. And uh, <laughs> it's all about fun, and it's all about having fun. And so with Amanda, all you had to do is it just took a look. And the tears, and, and, and I think that's the way she manipulated me now that I look back on that. But, <laughs> and the way that she'd say daddy and all that other stuff. And so you as parents, you know that even though they're your kids, they're wired differently. And you love them enough, right, to where you learn how to communicate to them. And you don't treat them all the same in communication. You speak to one differently than the other. And can I tell you this? Man, God's the same way. Even though when you come into a relationship with him, we're all God's children, he knows how you're wired. He wired you. He knows your personality. He knows your hurts. He he knows how to get your attention if you will stop long enough. I mean, all cultures, it's just so fascinating to me, communicate differently. And when you look at the different communication styles of culture and you realize that God loves us enough to learn how to communicate to each culture. When we were in Alaska, uh, we we would hike and we would notice that on the trails that there were rocks piled up and it, it looked like a form of art to us and it looked strange to us but you would see in turns and Y's and, and intersections on, on mountain trails that you would see rocks piled up. And so I, I bought one because it fascinated me and if I had a thought through this I would have taken a picture and put it, I know it's hard to see, but I bought one of these. This is called an Anukshuk and this, is a, this would represent an Eskimo. And so I asked one of the locals, I said, what is up with that? I noticed rocks piled up all different places. What is up with that? And they said, oh, that's how, that's how we have communicated for hundreds and hundreds of years. You see, before we had the communication ability that we have now with cell phones and text messaging and, and maps and GPS and all that other stuff, what would happen is, is, is we would communicate with each other. And on trails, we would pile rocks up And even though you don't understand what it is, people behind us, they understood. We would give directions. We would tell them whether they need to go north, south, east, or west. Uh, We may warn them of danger the way we pile up rocks. Uh, We may tell them where a food supply is or where water is, because if you get stranded out here in Alaska, you could die. Uh, We may tell them where game is. We may tell them where caribou is or, 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 or give them any kinds of instructions or warning. And this is the way we communicate it. Listen, let me tell you something. It is God has given us the ability to naturally hear from him. Look at this, John chapter 10, verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice. So it is natural. Sheep are born with an innate ability to hear the voice of the shepherd, right? So are we. We're born with the ability to hear God's voice, to hear his call to come into a relationship with him. And so they hear his voice, or to the, the, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. 
When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, and they know that it is his voice. It doesn't say they give them a sense of guidance. It doesn't say they do whatever they think is best. It doesn't say that they think they do what God wants to. It says this, that they are able to hear his voice. They know his voice. He calls them. Now, here's the, here's the interesting thing. Now, when we were in Israel, uh, we, we saw that they still uh, run sheep the same way that they did in biblical times. Culturally, they probably understand this passage a little bit differently than us or deeper than us. It meant something totally to them because being a shepherd was, was, a, was a trade that was done a lot. And so it, what would happen would be this. The, the shepherd, at the end of the night, a lot of them would run their sheep together. And they would build a pen. And they may have six or seven different shepherds. And they would take all of their sheep. They would build a pen. They would put a gate. The shepherds would sleep at the gate. And then when morning came and it was time for them to head out, the shepherd, the first one, would stand up and he would make a sheep call. Uh, I have worked on a sheep call because uh, we heard some of them and my wife has advised against it this morning. And so, uh, so they, they would make, it was a sound. It was like a Tarzan call. I mean, you're right. We all know what Tarzan sounds like. Well, they knew what their shepherd sounded like. And so it wasn't a word. It was a sound. And so the shepherd would make the call, his sheep would know that it's, it's him, their shepherd, and he would simply start walking, and they would separate out. Once they did, the second shepherd would stand up at the gate, make a call, a noise, and the she- his, his sheep would follow him out. And they would do that all the way. Now here's the interesting thing. Verse 3, Jesus says in the story, the shepherds, they call their sheep, but I call you by name. That was a turn in the story. That was the hook. They, they were tracking with him. And they're like, wait a minute, we, we don't name our sheep. We don't give them names. It's a call. And Jesus says, I know. I'm the good shepherd. I'm better than any shepherd you got. I call you. I call you by name. I know how you were wired. I know your hurts. I know your pains. I know what you desire from me. I know what you, it's, listen, let me tell you something. It is a personal relationship. It cannot be a personal relationship if you do not have a conversation. Isn't it powerful to you when someone remembers your name? You've met them for the very first time. They may be important. Uh, They may have a lot of power, whatever, however you want to phrase that. Isn't it powerful to you when someone remembers and, and knows your name? I mean, he says, my sheep listen to my voice. That's a present tense active verb, which means this. It's something you do continual. It is something you do daily that you open his word and you read his word and you apply his word to your life. I mean, do you, do you want to go to greener pastures where there's peace, where there's comfort, where there's security? Can I tell you this? It's in being able to hear the voice of God. 
to where you know his voice, to where you know he is, the circumstances may not change. They don't have to. See, we've been raised in a culture that has taken the Bible and it's, it's, they've said some things that God never said. And we've been raised in a culture that has taught Christians over and over and over that if you, if you grow up and you, you read the Bible every day and you pray every day and you raise your kids in church and you, do all the, and you give and you do all that you're gonna, supposed to, then your life will be blessed and you'll have no pain, you'll have no problem. And then what happens? When you have hurt, when you have pain, God doesn't love you. And God doesn't care for you. The Bible never said that. The Bible never teaches that. The Bible teaches this, that regardless of what you walk through, I'll walk it with you. Regardless of what you go through, my presence will be there. Regardless of what you go through in life, regardless of the circumstances, then I will be there. Verse 27, he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow. God speaks to be obeyed. God doesn't just speak to speak. God speaks to be obeyed. God doesn't speak to enter into a debate, to enter into an argument, to try to convince you that he's right and you should follow him regardless of all the other voices because the Bible says the sheep, they won't follow another shepherd. God speaks to be obeyed and I've told you this, that the blessing is not in just hearing the word. The blessing is, is when we take the word and we obey it and we apply it to our life and we're, we're, when we're willing to apply it in difficult situations. And so what Jesus is saying is that they know my voice. I mean, don't you know the voice of people that you have a personal relationship with? When Karen calls me, I don't say, now who are you? Who is this? And some of the younger generation said, well, of course not. You got caller ID. Hello. Well, there was a time in our relationship. I know this is shocking, but there's a time in our relationship. We had no caller ID. You had to discern out who the voice was. But I know her voice. I can hear her voice. I can pick her voice out in a crowd. She can pick my voice out in a crowd. Why? Because it's a personal relationship. And so what Jesus is trying to get them to understand, that it is natural to be able to hear the voice of God. The second thing is this, is that it has to be nourished. It has to be developed and you can say, well, wait a minute, why, why would it have to be nourished? Why would it have to be developed if it's natural? Because it's a learned behavior. I mean, it, it, it's true in life, right? When our kids are young, we're teaching them what? How to speak, how to put words together, what adjectives are and nouns and verbs and how to communicate, whether it's in written form, whether it's in verbal form, we're teaching them how to communicate. So it's natural for us, but it has to be nourished. It has to be, and it has to be developed in, in life. In other words, what the Bible teaches is someone has to teach us to hear the voice of God. I think that's the, the most important thing of discipleship. I think that's the most important thing of mentoring someone. If you could just take someone and just teach them to hear the voice of God, they'd be set for life. I mean, just understanding that I can hear the voice of God in my life. I mean, it has to be taught. Remember the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus, on the Damascus road, God spoke to him. He heard his voice. He did not know him. It's natural that you hear the voice of God. Apostle Paul knew it was God. He heard him. Three days later, what does God do? Send someone to Apostle Paul and teach him and say, that's the voice of God. And this is what God wants you to do with your life. 
Cornelius in Acts chapter 10 did not know God. He did not have a relationship with him. And God comes to him and speaks to him. Cornelius heard his voice. And then God sent Simon Peter, Acts chapter 10, to Cornelius' house and said, Cornelius, that was the voice of God. He wants you to accept him. He wants you to come into relationship with him. But it doesn't stop there. See, so many believers in our time, as long as you're going to tell me I get to go to heaven, I'm good. I don't need to hear another thing from God. Don't really want to. Because, and God wants to speak into our life. It is something that is taught. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse uh, 1. Watch this. Uh, Samuel was a young boy. Eli was the priest. Eli was his pastor. Watch this. Now the young man Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. In other words, in the Hebrew, that means it was valued. Do you value the word of God? Do you value his word? It's the, it's the, it's the living, active, active word of God. It was rare in those days, and there was no frequent visions. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not gone out, so he was close to death. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called to Samuel, and he said to him, Here am I. And he ran to Eli and says, Here am I, for you called me. But he said, I did not call you. Go lie down again. So he went and lay, lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you have called me. But he said, I did not call you, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Wasn't a God follower yet. Yes, God speaks to lost people. He speaks to lost people that you need to accept me. He calls lost people into a relationship with him. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and he went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the young man. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, He's teaching him how to hear the voice of God. It has to be nourished. It has to be developed. It had someone in your life. That's why church is so important. That's why life groups are so important. That's why it's so important not to do long range or Christianity to where you're coming into relationship with people that will help you to discern out the voice of God in your life. He says, so he says, therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down. If he calls you, you shall say, let me tell you what to say. Speak Lord for your servant hears. So Samuel went and and laid down in his place, and the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant hears. I'm yours. I'm yours. But the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli and all that I have spoken concerning the house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish the house forever. He's not giving him good news for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God. And, and he did not even try to restrain them. 
Therefore I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall, shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay until morning, and then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. I mean, has that ever happened to you? When you have to tell some hard stuff to a loved one? They may have a blind spot in their life, and you may have to tell a hard stuff to a loved one. This is what's going on. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here am I. And Eli said, what is it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to, do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, Samuel, that's the Lord. Let me help you to discern out the voice of God. It has to be nourished. Let him do what seems good to him. God's word is meant to be obeyed. God's word, he doesn't speak just to speak. He speaks to be obeyed. And Samuel grew and the Lord was with him. And he let none of his words, in other words, he valued his words. He let none of his words fall to the ground. And, and, I, and I know that sometimes it just sounds so basic in Christianity to listen to the voice of God, to be able to hear the, the voice of God. But can I tell you this? This is one of the most critical things that you will ever learn. Uh, Vince Lombardi, the, the great Green Bay Packers fan, just throw that out to all you Steelers fans here this morning. Uh, here while I, I won't say a word, because here while back, I deeply offended a Steelers fan in something that I said. I didn't know you guys were crybabies, but, uh, <laughs> but anyway, we'll just move on. And so, uh, so I'll get in trouble if I continue. But anyway, Vince Lombardi, do you realize Vince Lombardi was one of the greatest coaches? He's in the Hall of Fame. Lombardi Trophy, the Super Bowl trophy is named after him. Do you realize Vince Lombardi only had a handful of plays? Um, it was, uh, here, I can remember just about all of them. Sweep uh, left, sweep right, up the middle, and a handful of pass plays. Vince Lombardi said in his autobiography that, that he learned as a junior high coach that it only takes a handful of plays. It only takes knowing the basics. And if you can take those plays, and if you can run those plays to perfection, nobody can stop you. It doesn't matter your opponent. It doesn't matter how big they are. It doesn't matter how good they are. But if you can get so disciplined in the basics, you can beat anybody. The, tr the same is true in the Christian life. Sometimes we make it so complicated and so difficult. If we can just learn the basics... I mean, if we can learn how to hear from God what his voice sounds like and then be willing to obey it and be willing to apply it in our life, and then as we do that, he begins doing some things in our life, it becomes easier and easier. There's, a, there's, there's three things that God uses to, to, just, to, to teach us to, to hear his voice or to hear his voice. The first one is this, is he uses his word. I mean, we've talked about that. He, he uses his word, that, that God's word is living and active. Did you... I mean, the accuracy of Scripture and the authenticity of Scripture, I'll get it out, is when you study it, it's unbelievable how accurate the Bible is. Do you realize we have to date found over 25,000 manuscripts of the Bible? That may not mean much to you, but Homer's Iliad, the, uh, the manuscripts of it follow second. You know how many have found of it? 
640. And when you compare the 640 manuscripts to Homer's Iliad, there is more contradictions than all 25,000 copies of Scripture. The fact is, the things that don't mesh in Scripture is nothing big. It's some participles and, and uh, some words that really don't, aren't that big of a deal. God's Word can be trusted. It's the living, active Word of God. The second thing that, that he uses, he not only uses uh, his word, but boy, he uses godly counsel. And I, and I think in our time, because of our independent attitude, we got so many people that are saying, nobody's going to tell me how to live. I'm not coming into relationship with anyone. A church is not going to tell me. Godly people around me is not going to tell me. I'll decide. You know what? I'll decide how I live my life. Listen, let me tell you something. We all have blind spots. I have blind spots. Every one of us needs godly counsel around us. That's why life groups are so critical. That's why life journaling is so critical. That's why ladies' ministry or men's ministry are coming into community with other believers that can speak into your life and can give godly counsel. Proverbs twelve fifteen says this, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. You, you get that, right? I mean, Jesus, God said, this isn't me. God says a fool is a person that thinks their way is right even when it's going to end in destruction. That their way is right. I'm going to live life however I want. I'll create God in my image. I'll tell you how God relates to us. I don't need a Bible. I don't need godly Christians. But a wise person, a wise person is willing to live, is willing to listen to advice. Can, can I tell you, one of the things, that, and I don't know if frustrate is, is the proper word, one of the things that frustrates me or burdens me the most as a pastor is to when I have conversations with people and they're making life choices, they're making life decisions, and I look at them and say, you know what? You can continue on that path, but a crash is coming, and you're going to go over the guardrail. I'm just telling you. And they'll look at me and say, I don't care. I think what I'm doing is right. I think it's good. Nobody should be able to speak into my life. Nobody should be. I, it's my life. I'll live it however I want. And I always tell them the same thing. I say, well, you know what? When you and your family, when you go over the guardrail, and there's wreckage everywhere, and there's hurt, and there's pain, and there's consequences, and there's difficulty, I promise you this, I'll be standing on the other side of the guardrail because I'm a pastor. And without any guilt and without any judgment, we will help you put everything back together. But you don't have to do that. There are so many people. Nobody's going to tell them how to live. And they wonder why they don't have peace. And they wonder why they don't have security. I mean, Proverbs goes on in 1522 and says... Without counsels, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. He said, listen to the advice and accept instruction that, that you may gain what? You may gain wisdom for the future. And when you go and ask someone for advice, when you have godly friends around you, don't say, this is what I'm going to do. What do you think about it? Or don't pull the God card. 
This is what God has called me to do. Listen, nobody's going to argue with God. But that's so unfair. That is so wrong. Don't say, this is what God has called me to do. So who's going to stand up and go against God and contradict him? You know what? In my ministry, I have never done that. I have never stood up in, in front of a church. I have never, in elders' meetings, said this is what God has called me to do. Whether you guys like it or not, this is what God's called me. Here's a better way. Here's a way of a person that wants to live in community with other people. This is what they say. This is what I think God is leading me to do. What do you think about it? I cannot tell you how many godly friends around me have saved me from problems in ministry, problems in life. When I say things, you know what? This is what I think God's calling me to do. What do you think about it? And then being willing. Listen, if you don't have someone in your life a godly husband, a godly wife, Christian friends around you, that when they can look into your life and say, I don't know. And if it doesn't cause you to pause, man, you're in danger of going over the guardrail. The last thing is this. He speaks through his word, he speaks through his counsel, and he gives peace. He gives peace in the midst of a storm. Real quickly, I'm going I'm to talk to you just about Psalms 27. And Psalms 27 is a verse that I'm meditating on. We're going to talk about that later, the power of meditation, the power of taking a verse and meditating on it and applying it to our life. Psalms 27 verse 4 is, is a verse that, that I know well. It's a verse when I read it, just kind of spoke into my life. Watch this. The writer says, one thing I've asked of the Lord that I will seek after. This is the one thing he's asking for that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And God quickened my heart, and I started thinking about all of my prayer requests. None of them are that. If you went back through your prayer requests this last week, what are you asking God for? What are you asking God to do? Fix this, take care of this person, do this, move this, sell this, you know, Make my boss do this. What are you asking God? You see, this is a person that, that understood the presence of God, hearing the voice of God, was critical, was basic, was the most important thing. And he said, this is the one thing I've seeked after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever to, a, to gaze upon his beauty, to inquire to learn to hear the voice of God, to be able to discern the voice of God, to inquire of the Lord. And so I quickly said, well, what is the context? What kind of life is this guy going through? Everything working out well for him? I mean, is everything going well for him? Is this a good season of life? Psalms 27.1, watch what it says. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? God's presence removes fear. For those of you that have fear right now, Fear of the future, fear of the unknown, fear of what you want God to do. I'm telling you, it is because you have not entered the presence of God and spent time there because his presence, it doesn't give fear. God does not speak to give fear. Satan speaks to give fear. God does not give fear. God gives peace and he gives comfort. And he goes on and he says, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. What is your stronghold right now in your life? You want to know how to identify that? What gives you security in life? What gives you safety in life? Is it family? Is it your profession? Is it your bank account? What is your stronghold in life? We all got one. What, what are you holding on to stronger than you're holding on to God? 
In whom shall I be afraid? Then watch this. When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who will stumble and fall. That's someone that's been given peace. That's someone that's been given. He's in difficult circumstances. The verses all around 27 verse 4 is difficult times. People are maligning him. People are abusing him. People are hurting him. Though an army besiege, though an army encamp against me, and my heart shall not fear. Why? Because God doesn't give fear. Though a war arise against me, yet I will be confident. Why? Because I've heard the voice of God. And the voice of God has removed fear. The voice of God has removed all those elements. The circumstance may not change, but I know I have his presence in my life. And I've taken that verse and say, God, help me see the beauty in this. Help me see your beauty. Help me see what you're doing in the midst of these difficult circumstances. And I have peace because my stronghold is not in people. It's not an opinion. It's not in position. It's not in a bank account. It's not in investments. It's not in the economy. It's not where I live. My stronghold is you. And as long as I have you, I have peace. Now you bow your heads with me and just close your eyes. And let me just ask you this morning, we do this at the end of every service. Man, what is God saying to you right now in this place? Not what Charlie is saying. I am convinced God is speaking here this morning. And so, so what is he saying to you? Let me ask you, what is the one thing you're asking him for? What is the one thing this week that you have just thought over and over, God, please take care of this. God, please work this out. God, please handle this. What is the one thing? Let me ask you, that bring you any peace? That help you? How about this? What would happen if you, God, this is the one thing I ask. I need to know you're with me. I need to hear your voice. In the midst of these difficult circumstances, I need to sense and know your presence.